everyone, welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your better but still here neophyte, Frank. And today we're taking a look at Degrassi's Next Generation Season 5, Episode 3, Death of a Disco Dancer. I have a bad cold. I'm sorry. Yeah, like... The the illnesses at the I Hope Pod Central have been pretty pretty rampant. Um, I was very sick last time we recorded. Now Frank is sick, but Frank I think has a different thing from me. I don't think you actually caught what I had because mine was just like a really bad sinus thing. I really wish it was just a really bad sinus. No, week. you've had a very bad week. Yeah, so I'll just quick recount. I recounted to Donnie earlier because um, we were supposed to record on Saturday. Um, but I was just not up to it, and it was snowing, and it was just like fuck it. So I like I took a I took five days off because work's been hellish lately. Um. So then, uh, on like Thursday, I want to say my ears started feeling weird. I went down to see my parents on Friday, and my mom's like, "You should go see a doctor because you probably have an ear infection." And I was like, "You know what? That makes sense." So I did, and I do. Um, I also saw, on Friday, the most Jersey thing I've seen in a long-ass time. Did I... Ah! Hi, Dahlia! <laughs> um, did I recount this to you, Donnie? No! Okay, yeah, I think I was saving it. Um, so, before we all... Because like, my mom needed to get her blood pressure checked... So she came with me to the urgent care because her normal doctor wasn't around or couldn't make an appointment. So um, before that, I went to the bagel store uh, to get us breakfast. And um, I'm waiting for our order to be up. And it was like a very cold day, very windy day uh, down by the shore. And they outside the bagel place are these like metal tables and chairs. And this woman, I want to say in her, like, later 60s, early 70s, she must have tripped and hit her head on one of the metal tables and chairs. Oh, Jesus. And this is where it becomes the most Jersey thing I've ever seen. Like, I, like, didn't see it happen, but as I'm turning, I see five people just coming from, like, out of nowhere to make sure she's okay. This, like, burly construction worker dude... Goes running across the street, like, uh, the, the, like, the four of the people shuffle her into the bagel shop. The burly construction worker dude runs across the street, comes back with his first aid kit from the back of his truck, and, like, the, the bagel people have, like, stopped whatever they're doing and are, like, calling the, calling the paramedics... And like calling over the counter, like, is she on blood thinners? And like, and like, somebody's like responding, like, no. It's <laughs> going back and forth like this. And then the construction worker dude is just comes back, like, puts a bandage on, and then gingerly, because she, like, the cut was pretty bad. She's bleeding profusely. It really sucked. Mm-hmm. He then just begins gingerly, like, bandaging up her head. And like, I'm just like, this is fucking Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we get a bad rep. We're, we're characterized in a way that says that we're very unfriendly. And I, I would like to say, as somebody who has been born and raised in Jersey, I don't actually think we're not friendly. I think it's more that we don't talk to people unless we have reason to. Yeah. And I think this also goes for New Yorkers. I think that there's like this, because we don't small talk, 
I think we're characterized as mean. But the truth is, is that we are sociable. We just are not going to interact with strangers unless we absolutely have to. So, like, you see a moment like that, and that makes perfect sense to me. Because it's like, you know, when push comes to shove, like, we will help people. It's just, I'm not going to talk to you about my fucking shoes or your fucking garden while I'm waiting for a bus. Sorry. Yeah. But if you, like, if you come up and are friendly to us, we'll most likely be friendly back. Right. We'll be suspicious, but we'll, we'll answer. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll be like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just here buying some root beer. I don't really know why you're trying to talk to me about how my day is going, but I will respond. And But then once you earn our trust, like, we will ride or die. It's true. We will truly ride or die. It's like... <laughs> that is why the mafia is so strong in Jersey <sighs> and New York. Uh... <laughs> because we're just like... All right, I mean, I trust you a whole lot. <laughs> Frank, I think you just have, like, the mafia on the brain because you did send me today just a compilation of every instance in The Sopranos that someone says Gabagool. I, that, Vren, uh, like, I look at so much, I, I primarily watch YouTube videos. Like, I'm not going to be one of those people who are like, oh, I don't own a TV. I just watch a shit ton of YouTube videos. And because my interests are so vast and I can, oh, I, you know what, I can tell you what the um what the uh genesis of this coming up in my youtube feed was mm-hmm. i was watching the bon appetit video good where great all start the sh- all the chefs are blindfolded just like trying to figure out what kind of cured meat they're touching nice my favorite part of that is when brad leone the most new jersey chef on the fucking planet north jersey pride baby <laughs> Picks up a piece of Chinese sausage that nobody else could figure out. Uh, and he goes, what is this, some kind of Chinese sausage or something? <laughs> Dahlia. <laughs> uh, my daughter wants attention. <laughs> she, she, she just flubbed a jump so bad, she just laid in her tum-tum. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's still, like, sizing it up. She's like, hmm, can I jump in this lap? But, um, but anyway, so, so that was my Friday. I, I continued to get sick. I, like, I tried walking to the shop right in my house, because I'm by Sunday I was feeling a little bit better, and we got back, and, like, my my chest felt cold. I'm like, that's not normal. So then I went to the Minute Clinic on Monday after I called out of work, and, like, they're like, well, you have bronchitis. I was worried it was pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay... So I got a note for two days of, to be out two days of work. And then on my way out, my ankle gives out on me, and I just tumble forward. The minute clinic doctor thought I had passed out. And I'm like, no, I'm just, my body is terrible. And, you know, I've hurt myself because I used to run a whole bunch and hurt myself a lot of times before I gave that up. So, like, I have a busted ankle, I have bronchitis, and I have an ear infection. It's been a week. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, we were hoping that 2020 was going to be a little kinder to us, and instead <coughs> it just decided to wreak havoc on our immune systems. Look, 2020 is just starting, and, like, the thing is, though, I only get, like, this really sick like this once a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I'm calling it. This is kind of lucky. I'm getting out of my system early. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Now, if I can just avoid my other yearly tradition of pointless ER visit... For something that could be easily fixed if I just had a fucking PCP, I'd be good. <laughs> a PCP being... A primary care physician. Okay, because I was like, P- 
PCP drugs Oof. piping. Oof. I don't know where this is going. Um, uh, P- th- that's PVC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to fucking mansplain that, and I was like, no, I'm holding back. <laughs> no, I, I figured it out. Um, on the topic of drugs, let's stick a big content warning on this bad boy. Um, before we get too far into the plot of this, or into the plot at all, rather, um, we should let you know we are going to be talking about age difference we're going to be talking about ableism we're going to be talking about drugs specifically weed um we're also going to be talking about domestic violence race and racism might be brought up in this context too um just keep that in mind and as always check our description for any specifics that we provide um in the off chance that either a we end up in a conversation that goes in a different type of territory or b um you know, just more specifics regarding things. Um, so, Frank, would you like to introduce our A-plot and our B-plot? Um, our A-plot, Matt comes back to, uh, I I nearly said Degrassi Town, Toronto, (laughs) um, (laughs) to be like, hey, I'm still a scumbag. Meanwhile, Paige is like, what college am I gonna go to? I wanna go to Banting. And Alex is like, hey, fuck you. Um, and then in the B-plot, um, uh, oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm so sick. It's okay. I, I'm forgetting what, oh my god, I can't, Jimmy <laughs> has become the new assistant basketball coach and he has, one of his players has an absolutely bad attitude. <laughs> Yeah. In the words of Terry Crews, a bad attitude. Yeah. He sure does. Yeah. Um, we're gonna start with the B plot. Because it is basically nothing. It's nothing and it's it's the type of nothing that it shouldn't be nothing. Cause I think what's actually happening is a big fucking issue, but the way that they resolve it would make you think that it is just a tiff. The thing is, like okay, let's get into it and I'll I'll share my opinions on it yeah like okay so uh we see this new hotshot kid um well first let, let's give a big congratulations to jimmy because he is now the assistant coach well i was gonna that's how i was gonna roll into okay into it is just like so this kid's shooting hoops and whatnot and we hear a whistle blow and armstrong's like well here's our new coach it's Jimmy. I'm going to keep collecting uh, paychecks for running a sport, and Jimmy will do all the work. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so, like, Jimmy starts talking. Uh, the, the new kid's name is Derek. Yes. And, like, he keeps talking over Jimmy and just, like, like, double questioning, like, oh, what can you teach us and whatnot. You're the guy who got shot. Yeah. A lot of that type of shit. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy, like, handles it pretty well. Yeah, he he kind of postures a little bit, but I don't blame him in the sense that he's, like, trying to talk about how his, like, big thing is, like, you need to, when you make a shot, you need to use your legs. You need to use the power from your legs, which is true in basketball. Um, and he says you use your hands for accuracy and to kind of prove a point because Derek is being a little snot, he passes the ball to Derek with enough accuracy to really rattle him. So we see, we see him trying to like, 
put Derek in his place, basically, in a way that I think is very realistic for a teenager. Like, that feels like what a teenager would do, and ultimately is a way more appropriate way that a teenager can handle this type of situation than other alternatives. The, th- the thing is, this whole B-plot is just a generic sports movie. It's a generic sports movie, number one. Number two, Armstrong is literally in every single scene, and the fact that he does not pick up on this tension and have a conversation with these kids is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, but, like, once again, Donnie, I think this is where you need to separate the teacher from the viewer. I know! Like, I mean, like, if you're looking for any good, like, teaching example, there's not gonna be it. Yeah, and I mean, instead, this plot kind of runs wild and does not get you anywhere, really, in terms of the big picture stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's able to rattle Derek, um, Jimmy is... Very upset about what's happening. Um, the end of practice is the next scene, and Hazel is waiting to pick him up, which I found to be very lovely. Yeah. They are lovely. I think that they are a good a good couple. I think that they've been through a lot of shit, and I'm really happy that, like, I don't know, there's, like, this, like, content, content energy when they see each other, and Hazel, like, kisses him and everything, and it was just very sweet. Yeah. Um... At this point, I think they're our longest-running couple. I think you're right. So. Because they, they survived the entirety of last season. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's a year. Yeah, that's and, a long time for Degrassi. And they were together at the year-end dance before that, right? Yeah. Because I remember... I do remember her sadly... Hula <laughs> Yeah. No, they've been together for a long time. Yeah. At the very, even, and even if you exclude, like, when they were romantically together, they've always been very fond of each other. Yeah. It's like a very long-standing ship. Is it, is it the Breakfast Club episode they get together? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because that, remember the whole, like, I kiss Toby business? Yeah. That's, this is a long time. This is a very long time that I just... Man, you, like, really don't realize how much time has passed in terms of, like, especially because, like, we watch it every, you know, every week, basically. Like, you, you kind of don't remember until you really sit there and try to piece it all together. You're like, oh, my God, they've been together forever. But it's nice to see them do that. It's it's a very good ship, honestly. 316. Fuck. They've been together for a long time. Yeah, like... Because I remember, like, uh, the year before this, what? Nothing. Oh. Um, like, they were, uh, there was a whole problem with, um, that, it was like the opposite of, that, it it was the opposite where, like, Jimmy wanted to show Hazel a good time mm-hmm. at the dance, and thanks to Paige and Spinner's fuckery, like, <laughs> it ended up being a kind of shitty time. Yep. So. Ugh. It's good. Anyway. But they see the... Ah, I can't, like, I cr- usually cross my legs when I'm recording, and I can't do that because of my busted ankle. Anyway. <laughs> It's very hard. This is a very hard recording. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. The the group of basketball kids goes walking by, and uh, Derek is... 
running his mouth. Yeah, and says, of all the coaches that could have given us, they gave us a cripple. He... And Jimmy is obviously very upset hearing this. Yeah. Um, And that's pretty much where the scene ends. It's just... (sighs) Yeah. It's, it's, It's frustrating. It's upsetting. Yeah. And it... We pick up next scene, or, yeah, next scene opens with Jimmy confronting Derek at his locker. Mm-hmm. Um, they begin to exchange words, and it ends with, like, Derek... Well, we just watched this, I already forgot what Derek says. It's some shitty no, stuff. No, Derek continues to call him that word. Yeah. And he's conti- and Jimmy is basically instigating and trying to say, "Hey, fight me, fight me!" Basically, you won't do it. And Derek's like, "Yeah, I don't care. I'll fight." And then he uses the word. I really don't like to use this word, so I'm gonna try and avoid using it as much as possible. But they start tossing, and it's like Armstrong eventually breaks it up, but he doesn't open up any conversation. He's just like suck it up and like get it fucking together for the practice. Like I said, this just feels so much like it just. A baseline sports thing. It is, and 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 it's. But, but not like anime sports where they would actually sit down and talk about their feelings and how much volleyball means to them. Right, like it's not, or like they have like a moving monologue while they're riding bikes. Like the problem with this is that there's a lot of fucking shit at play in this moment, right? Yeah. Because there is, in actuality, in this scene, a lot of different points of marginalization and a lot of feelings that are really awful. Like, Derek takes up a lot of fucking space, which white men are very good at. Um, because he is constantly running his mouth, and because he's talented, and because he's because of whatever reason, he's kind of been allowed to. Armstrong hasn't really intervened. Nobody on the team has really intervened, and Jimmy has kind of just had to fend for himself in terms of Derek's comments. Yeah. So we have that piece coming in where you have this guy who's so fucking entitled. He's just going to look at Jimmy and go, yeah, and what? Jimmy is also still in the process of making sense of his disability and has already struggled with, with like, and some of this is bad writing and some of this could be almost a compelling arc, with how he sometimes instigates to a point he does end up in some of these altercations sometimes but that's not really being addressed either it's just oh look at these two boys oh they fought oh that's interesting i guess and instead not really looking at the deeper issues that are happening here and also there's this idea of jimmy struggling with the fact that he sees himself as somebody and i hate using this because this isn't true but he he's still figuring out and making sense of the fact that like, he's not broken just because he's disabled. But you can tell that he's struggling with that and he feels not as capable because of his identity as an athlete and because he hasn't really been able to figure out what to do with that yet because he still can't and still is in the process of like trying to make sense of who he is now that he can't play basketball at this high school level. Yeah. And... He's not really allowed to explore the feelings piece of it. He's only allowed to to explore the physical in this plot. He's only allowed to pass the ball in, aggress- in an aggressive manner. He's only allowed to instigate a fight and then get into it. He He's not really being allowed to have feelings. 
which is disappointing because I feel like we were trying to get some of those emotions figured out in that Kid Elric B-plot that was from last season, where he was upset and discouraged and then things kind of started falling into place and he was making sense of it and he was able to have an adventure with his friends. This one, he's on his own and he's just, he's, like you said, it's very like the same beats that you would see in any, like, you gotta work together teamwork plot without actually taking the time to bring in the nuance that this should have when you have a character who is disabled. Well, that that's, I'm not saying we have, it's the same beats that we have to pull together as a team. Like, this just feels to me like we're falling back on, like, 80s and 90s and early aughts sports movies mm -hmm. of, like, well, you just gotta prove you're better than the person and like you got to like you know step up and do this thing and that thing you know like it's not it's it's important about like who's top dog kind of thing yeah and it's just but the thing is like yeah like i agree with you if with nuance and whatnot there could be a very compelling arc here but there isn't no it is like we have to accept the show as it is and the show wants to have it both ways they want to. Yes. They want to say to themselves, "Hey, pat on the back for us. We included a uh, a character with like with a disability, but they don't know how to write that character." No, they have and proven that time and time again. So what they do is they're just like, "We're going to try and put this one piece into a framework of another piece and hope it works out," and it doesn't. No. And, like, the thing is, like, you know, I, neither of us can, neither of us can, you know, comment from Jimmy's position. If you can, please write into ihopod at gmail.com and, like, you know, give us your opinions on this episode. But it's just, like, that's why we wouldn't write this, this episode. That's why we wouldn't write this without, like, talking to somebody, doing our research, and trying to get it right. It's just it doesn't work. Like, nothing about this works. Well, I feel like it especially culminates in the next scene, because the next scene, we're in practice. Derek is just being an asshole. And Jimmy tries to posture by showing off that he can throw three-point shots. And so, like, he starts, like, pretty far back, and then he just gets progressively farther back, and Derek then tries to upstage him and try to do the same and then jimmy from like a pretty far point on the opposite end of the court is able to successfully make a basket and it's also this piece that is like the the issue with a lot of disability portrayals which is feeling the need to have the character be skillful or talented or basically useful and, and that's the thing that makes me uncomfortable with plots like this. Like, why does Jimmy have to be good at this? Jimmy doesn't have to be able to make baskets. Jimmy doesn't have to be able to do any of this type of stuff. But it's that weird portrayal that happens a lot in disability where it's like, we have to prove that they are useful. Look at how athletic or look how talented they are, etc., etc. Well, I, I agree to a certain extent. I still... The, it's, it's difficult for me, because it's just, like, 
I'm, I'm thinking back to like one of my my favorite disabled characters, Toph, from mm. Avatar: The Last Airbender, where her blindness is not something that's glossed over or forgotten about, but it also doesn't hinder the character in any way, and it's something she knows is a part of herself, but she doesn't let it define herself. And I feel like I feel like that's that's where I want the better writing to be, where maybe instead of having like instead of having this basketball thing, Jimmy and Derek could have just sat down and was like, look, this is what's going on with me. This like this is not who I am. This is who I am. I'm somebody who loves basketball, and, like, th- that's who I was before, and so I continue to be, and I, s- fuck, that would have made, like, if, like, <sighs> wait, he's, if Jimmy sat down with Derek, and it was just like, I see what you could be, like, you could do, like, you could, sh- like, shoot the way I do, you could be as good as I am, but right now, you're a punk, you can't, like, you don't have teamwork, and your fundamentals are shit. That would have been a great showing of like this is why Jimmy's now the coach, and this is why this is happening, and it doesn't take away from where Jimmy is mm-hmm. or where Jimmy's going. I yeah, I feel like it also it it's I feel like that's what that the journey should be right. It's like okay, so you can't play basketball in this context anymore, but that doesn't mean you're incapable and it doesn't mean that you don't have the skills and you don't have the gifts to be able to do something with it and like that's kind of the thing that is annoying to me is the takeaway now is oh jimmy's able to still beat someone in a physical competition as opposed to jimmy now can use his knowledge in a new way that still allows him to feel empowered yeah like that's the thing it's like you you make it into a pissing contest that's all it is. It's just, oh, look, another, like, bratty white boy to introduce this season. Great. Yeah. After we dealt with Peter last time. So it's just like... <laughs> That's literally an episode ago. I know. It was literally an episode ago. So it's like, oh, great, another asshole. But, like... I think that's a really good point of... It should really re- be refocused to, look, you gotta work on your shit, Derek. You gotta unpack that, and that's not my job to make you unpack it. You gotta figure that shit out, because right now, I am telling you what you need to do to be the best you can be. Like, or, if if they can't write the conversation, which I don't think they could. No, I don't think they could either. Like, have, like, you know, have there be, like, uh, like Jimmy says, like, look, you want to do this on your own? Like, fine, I'm going to give you this. these guys. These guys I'm going to, like, I'm going to coach, and we'll see who wins this basketball game. And, like, Jimmy's able to, like, see the patterns and, like, see the plays and whatnot and schools him that way. Once again, proving him as a coach, not, like, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, um, there's one more scene... Uh, the, that's... The, the scene of mutual respect. Yeah, so Derek approaches Jimmy, and Jimmy shows off and is like, yeah, I can score, like, 12 three-pointers in a row. And Derek's like, what? I want to learn how to do that. Um, 
Uh, and, like, Jimmy does this, like, thing. He's like, I want you to say that you learned it from your coach, not from the kid who got shot. And that's also a thing, because that's in the beginning of the episode, and it's in this last piece. And I feel like that is, and that seems to be, that could have alone been what the focus of the episode was. Was Jimmy trying to escape the shadow of the tragedy? In the sense that he, because I feel like while the ableist comments from Derek and being dismissed as the kid who got shot have some points of interaction, I do think that, especially if the writers were not going to be able to handle the ableist part very well, it could have been focused more on Jimmy feeling very insecure because he's kind of lost his identity because of this tragedy. And he's lost his sense of self within the school because any newcomers and even people who were there during the shooting have kind of labeled him as, oh, Jimmy, the kid who got shot. I don't know what this kind of falls into the need to be, like, the need to be um, useful category again. Mm -hmm. But, like, what if it shows, like, his group of new, like... And I feel like this could also really add to the show, is that they had just had, like, two or three, like, basketball jocks. Because, you know, we don't really have... No, we have none. Because it used to be, like, Sean was on the team. Yeah. Sean's gone. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, like, but each of them has their own trouble. And, like, maybe they're lashing out in certain ways, or, like, they're not doing things correctly, and Jimmy kind of just shares with what he's learned over the past three, f four hellish years mm -hmm. of being at Degrassi. <laughs> but, like, maybe one, you know, it'd be super fun, maybe one kid's just like, hey, I've, like, I'm kind of questioning whether I like girls. And he's like, oh, let me introduce you to my friend Marco. <laughs> right, but, like, also... And just, like, he becomes a resource to, sh to, to lead these kids, which is what a coach is supposed to do. Yeah, one, it would be nice to see a mentor, but also, two, it would have been nice, in general, if he had friends that were on the team. Because, like, in theory, he would have some connections with people on that team. And, like, I understand you can't make the cast too, too, too big, but it feels like... When you talk about athletics, especially team sports, there are dynamics at play within the team itself. And I think that also could have been, if, if this whole like shooting plot was truly thought through, how interesting would it have been if they actually developed a couple characters prior to the shooting who were on Jimmy's team. And Jimmy having to figure out what their relationship looks like now that he's no longer a part of the team in terms of being a player. And that dynamic shift, right? Because he's going from being a player to a coach. And while it's a little wonky here, it's very possible if he's assistant coach to a varsity team, most of those peers are from his grade or from the grade below. So all of those guys are probably like, oh, like, this is our buddy Jimmy. And now they're like, what do you mean you're telling me what to do? Yeah. And that could have been an interesting story, too. Like, it's like, what do you mean, like, you're telling me how I have to do it? What do you mean you're telling me my form is shit? Like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, at the, be at the beginning, like, you know, they we still have Derek with the, like, you're the kid who got shot. And, like, everybody just refers to him as Jimmy. Then he, like, shows himself as a mentor and a coach and whatnot. 
and by the end, they're calling him coach. That would be great, because it would, it would hit all the beats that you want a sports plot to hit, and also give him a sense, give him the ability to be empowered in a way that doesn't fall into the trap of, like, a lot of ableist takes on disabled characters. Yeah. It, it would find a common ground, I think, and would hit similar plot points to this, but in a way that's more satisfying. Yeah. So, okay. whatever. All right, so let's talk about this A-plot. So, we start off in the theater, and Paige is on, you know, they're doing their usual theater job, and Paige is flipping through a brochure all about colleges, and Alex is totally just whatever about that piece. And She's like, you should be one of these college people. They all look happy. Yeah, Alex is just like, whatever. They also have really good rapport and really good banter where, like, they're doing this kind of funny thing where it's like, they say something, and then, then like, Paige is like, say it in your squeaky voice, and then Alex says it in a squeaky voice, and it's just, like, this, like, very good exchange of sorts of, like, what what it's like when you hang out a lot with the person. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, look, I, I know I've been on this on this ship for a while, but, like, it, it, it's going... I mean, yeah. Like, toot toot. I, I just, like, I need to see the scene where this thing got invented. And, like, because, okay, so I got, I got two, I got two theories. First theory is that Paige started doing it and then just pestered Alex until Alex just gave in. Mm-hmm. Or B, and this is something, like... Uh, you know, I have uh, people who work at movie theaters currently have to ha- deal with wherein, um, like, somebody was yelling at Paige, and, like, to make her feel better, Alex started using the squeaky voice. Oh, that would be so good. They're both good in different ways. <coughs> Either one would make a good fan fiction. Frank, get on it. Okay. Right. Well. Frank, Frank, always, <laughs> Frank is always cranking out the Degrassi Next Generation content. Thank you for this food, Frank. <laughs> Truly thank you for this food. Um, so Paige is like, hey, Alex, do you want to shift? Alex is like, well, I'm never going to college. I'm poor. Sounds great. And Paige then reveals that Matt, who we remember from last season, is coming back. <laughs> and Alex should be like, oh, but the boat anchor is back. Like... <laughs> Alex is like, I'm grossed out, but I need money, so I'm taking the shift. Yeah. Um, this is this is where I started just constantly playing the Ken Jeong quip of ha gay. Yeah, it was a lot. We we decided to watch the episode together, which I think is a really lovely thing we should do more often. Um, I, I just gotta figure it should be our new regular thing. Yeah. Because like I'm constantly like just trying to find time to do them, and now I'm just like. I mean, Donnie's always just watching them whenever I come over to record, so fuck it. I'll just hang out and watch it. A little behind the curtain. I have a lot of memory issues, so I try to watch it right before we record. You know, just just a little accommodation. I, I have problems getting through awkward scenes, unless somebody's with me to suffer. And I'll gladly suffer, clearly. But, um, so, Alex is, like, grossed out, but she'll take the shift. We go to a cafeteria scene. Liberty is the class president. Okay, we didn't really talk about this when we were watching it, mm-hmm. but I fucking love JT being so proud of his girlfriend. I know. Because, like, they walk in together, and JT just says, ladies and gentlemen, 
Let me introduce your new class president. He's so fond. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah. Now that, like, now that JT, like, can recognize, you know, um, quality. I mean, he could before. Like, he had crushes on Paige. That's a pretty good, like, that's a pretty good crush standard to have. Like, it's a pretty lateral move over to Liberty. Um, but, like, you know, now that he's happy, it just brings more joy, I feel, into the, like, Degrassi. Yeah, what a fucking turnaround, right? We were sitting there for seasons being like, when is he gonna fucking get better? He definitely does. Me just kind of staring into the haze, being like, I remember liking JT. Now I know. Yeah, like, now I get it. Like, now I, un- this is the JT I want, want to like. Right. No, I'm telling you, as soon as they made him a theater kid, suddenly it was, like, perfect. Yeah. It was just what he needed. <coughs> okay, Marco is nonplussed about this, which I'm pretty okay about. I mean, he's focusing on college stuff, so. Yeah. He's eating cabbage rolls. Yeah, you know, as you do. Um, Paige is, like, begging Marco to apply to Banting, which is the notorious fictional college set here known as the Harvard of the North, as we talk about later on in the episode, she is hell-bent on going, studying business, and she's trying to get Marco to go, and she's also trying to get Alex to sign up for info sessions, and Alex is just like, I can't stand this, um, gets so mad, she physically leaves the table, and then sits right behind the page in a nu- at another lunch table, s- fucking staring her down, like, staring the back of her head down, and it's just, ladies... It's, it's pretty damn gay. It's. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but like, it's. It's very gay. <laughs> like, they have like a, uh, I, I don't think that, it's not that they never not had chemistry, but it feels like it's really being leaned into. It's just like the way that Alex kind of glares in the fuzzy, you know, fuzzy distance shot. Just like, you're like, whoa, okay. All right. Like. There's cer- there's like there's reasons you get mad at your friends and there's a certain way you're mad at your friends. There's certain ways you're mad at people you have crushes on. This is not a mad at your friends kind of thing. Yeah, and like also I think that like, oh. it, it, okay, if this was mad at your friends, she would tip her tray onto Paige. Alex, yes. Be- because <sighs> When you're mad at your friends like that, you can, you know you can kind of do those go-for-it moves mm-hmm. in that they're going to be mad, but they'll forgive you by the end of it. Me, But, like, when you're angry at a romantic crush, you have to be a bit more careful because you want to be ma- You want to illustrate, I'm mad, but you don't want to, like, accidentally burn a bridge. I oh, sorry, go on. So that's why I'm saying, like, that's why she doesn't tip the tray over onto Paige. She just goes around, like, Ashley and Paige, friend angry. This, lady crush angry. Yes. Well, I think it's also, like, I feel like if it's your crush, you're a lot more sulky. And I feel like they're sulking a lot in this. Like, they're very just like, huh, I don't like that you're trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> Sits within a way that I can definitely still look at you in the lunchroom. Like, it's, it's very good. It's very good. I love watching these 
petty girls Wait, try th- and work this out. So is she staring at the back of Paige's head or at, like, f- straight on Paige? The back of her head. Okay. But enough, but in the way that you watch it, you can see Alex doing it, which is probably why they did it, to, did it that way. Because you have Paige being, like, frustrated and staring toward the camera, and you have Alex in the back staring her down. It was just chef's kiss. Yeah. A so, drama. So then we cut to, um... History class. I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're they're talking about leadership styles. I could have sworn there was a different history teacher, but who cares? No, that's the same guy. Um, he's talking about uh, Prime Minister Trudeau had to call it declare martial law. Anybody want to? It's a whole thing. Alex and Paige snipe at each other until. Uh, Paige gets detention. Both of them get detention. Well, it should also be noted what what they're talking about, because Paige is saying that you know he had to do what was best for the country, and then Alex makes a snide remark about how that's not much different from what Paige is doing with Alex, and they are just fighting, and the teacher's like, "Fuck this." <laughs> Fair point, teacher. <laughs> um. Oh, oh my God, though. If this show was wittier, I would have, like, I would have loved it if Paige was like, no, I don't, and also don't slouch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, Alex is like, Paige wants to control everything, and Paige is like, I do not. Um, they get detention. Alex is able to skedaddle out of it because she has work, and Paige is livid because she has a very important date! Oh, honey. <laughs> right. So, that happens. Um, in detention, Snake is checking in on Paige, and he's trying to be concerned. Peter's also there, but who cares? Um, Snake is concerned because Paige has only listed of her ten schools she's interested in applying. All she listed was banting. Just banting, 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 banting. And he's worried because the school is, uh, has pretty high standards, um, pretty low acceptance rate, and, um, you know, he's saying, you know, you should have a backup plan. This is classic senior conversations. Like, we, we've all had that meeting of some sort, although usually with a guidance counselor, where they try to break down those kind of odds. And Paige says, like, oh, I don't have to worry, my mom's really good friend works at admissions. So, like, I'm good to go. And, Snake kind of makes a snide remark about how, like, you know, her life is all so carefully planned. And everyone's making a comment like that this episode. Um, and Paige is just like, well, I gotta fucking go. Goodbye. It just bounces. And, and Snake's like, yeah, sure. And, P- and Peter's like, can I, call- can I leave? Um, and to which S- Snake replies, I fucking love this. Isn't this your first in five weeks of detention? Yeah, Miss Hetzelakis. Oh, I mean, your mommy would say no. It's he's just living <laughs> for this. Okay, and I didn't quite catch what he said uh, when he comes into the room. He pops in. He goes, "Got a minute? Oh yeah, you've got thirty. And the person uh, doing the transcripts put in parentheses. He laughs at his own lame joke. Been saving, <laughs> been saving that one. Um, look, Paige, you list your top three schools for university: Banting, Banting, Banting. Oh my God. <laughs> I, like, this is the kind of snake I've signed up for. <laughs> like, 
I signed up for breaking the neck of pedophile snake and just being shitty to shitty kids snake. Um, we get a, uh, we get a montage of Paige getting, like, dressed in, like, a nice, uh, LBD. Um, she looks adorable. Like, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, no, she looks great for, for a fucking foot. Yeah. Um, she heads to the restaurant, uh, where she waits and waits. She drinks three fucking Pellegrinos with lemon in it. It, and, like, if this was a more realistic show, Matt shows up, and she's just like, oh, so glad to see you. Gotta pee. Right. Cause he, look, he has his bag, he just got out from the airport. Because I don't know if you've been in the situation, Donnie, of like, oh, my date's running late. I don't want to go to the bathroom just in case they think I ditched them. Right. But when they get here, I'm gonna need to pee so fucking bad. I knocked three fucking Pellegrinos and I got to go. <laughs> Um, so Matt looks, like, Matt, like, he doesn't, like, for what he's become, which is just kind of, like, a free spirit in only a white guy kind of way. Right. Like. Like, he was just missing dreads. Oh, God, yes. You know, fucking shows, like, Get on that of just showcasing, like, white guy dreads and the shitty dudes who grow white guy dreads. No, I don't want to see them on my TV. I want to see them, and then people can be like, so, because there were people in my high school. Oh, boy. Who had white guy dreads. Oh, my God. And girls dated them because they didn't know better. Mm. Degrassi is supposed to teach lessons, kind of. (laughs) So they need to teach people early, stay away from people with white guy dreads. Mainly white guys. Valid. So, Matt is... The white guys need to stay away from white guy dreads? Yes. Okay. Um, so, um, in the the words of of, uh, Joey from last week, um, he, like, Matt's... Not wearing, doesn't have white guy dreads, but he, he is the feel of white guy dreads. Yeah, he's like, he, he's, she notices that, like, his hair is greasy, and he's like, yeah, well, you're not supposed to wash it, like, more than twice a week or something like that. Which, like, I don't wash my hair that much. I don't look like that, but that's not the point. Um, he also is just like, he has his bag, he's just kind of whatever, kind of slinging it around. Um, he, he also, like, I mean, she, she notices how prickly he is because of his facial hair, which I could take or leave. Um, but the point is, is that he is no longer the student teacher who was wearing the collared shirts and was, like, very put-together looking in that dweebish kind of 23-year-old kind of way. Now he's the guy that almost every other every other dude at his current job hates. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so he's very... I, I'm sure they booked him a private flight just to get him the fuck out of there. Right. He's just... Tracker, on the other hand, had white guy dreads. Everybody probably fucking loves Tracker. <laughs> he didn't have dreads, though. I think he just had braids, which is still... Peculiar. Yeah. Still a choice. Yeah. For for tracker. 
I wonder what Tracker's up to right now. I hope he's got a therapist. Maybe he's making enough money he can go to therapy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Matt scoffs at Paige's plans to have a, you know, structured life. He's like, I'm gonna go paint houses because, I don't know, whatever. It's kind of wild to me how, like, like, man, what a, what a guy, Matt. What a guy. He's a scumbag. Yeah, he's a big old scumbag. Paige gives him a, a, a planner to keep his life organized because she said he said that his life was chaos. And then he's like, well, I didn't mind it. Yeah. Like, shut up. He's just like, I didn't get you anything. And, like, he gives her a joint and, like, a little bit of weed. Like, yeah, he's like, ah, I don't, I didn't have a gift. Here's a joint. And I'm like, but you don't even know she smokes weed. How did he get through customs with that? Well, that part, whatever. I'm sure that you can always find ways. Yeah. But my my thing is just the audacity to be like, I don't know if you smoke weed, but here's here's a joint. I don't fucking know. Bye. Like, fucking bold. <laughs> fucking bold. <laughs> what if he, he what if he's like, well, you know what they say is the gateway drug. Here's a pound of cocaine. <laughs> just like, and from here, I don't know. T-Rex blood. Oh, God, I hate Matt. Um, T-Rex blood? <laughs> like, if I thought about going harder and being, like, a gallon of PCP, but then I was just like, nah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to... I don't want to, even though, like, I don't do drugs because I work in a field where there are a lot of pee checks. Um, I don't want to, like, sound like I am saying that weed is the devil or anything like that yeah i just i find it so it's so funny to me that you're like i don't even know if this person is into this fuck you here's a joint <laughs> like like i don't i don't think it, like i i don't partake in it either i've never partaken in it i don't think it's the devil like i think like as long as you're as if you're smoking it and not on your job, I think you're fine. Like, I think you smoke it at your job, you're not doing great. Eh. I think it depends on your job. Yeah. Where's it going with this? Well, we're, we got very hung up on, I'm leaving, we're breaking up, here's a joint. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's such a weird, such a weird flex. Yeah, and then, like, he's also, like, really, like, I'm not here to fit your perfect life. Because she, she also was like, hey, I'm applying to Banting. Like, maybe we can move out there together and all that type of stuff. And he's like, I'm not here to fit your fucking narrative, man. And it's just like, okay. I'll, I'll tear up my social security card. It's just like, eh. I, it just shows how unrepentant he is. You know mommy and daddy are still, like are still sliding him some extra cash here and there. Well, there's that, and also, Frank, as you pointed out, like, he, he does live in a country where he has healthcare. So, like, because I feel like, I feel like it, it, a lot of folks, and he's not quite 26, but I feel like what ends up happening with a lot of people in the U.S. is once we start, at least those of us who are fortunate enough to have parents that have insurance plans, those of us who are on them until we turn 26 become very fearful 
and you know a little nervous because we may not necessarily find a job that has healthcare, and I feel like we're just a little bit, always a little tense. And I feel like with him, he's just whatever. I would love to become an artist and freewheeler. I'm still worried about what will happen if I got sick. Right, like, it's just like, there's this ease to him that, like, dude, you got kicked out of your university. You are banned from the career field that, in theory, you wanted to be in. But let's face facts, he's also a white man. Yeah, I mean, there's there's that. Well, you, well we can't like, we can't drop that point. Right, like he has access to healthcare. He is incredibly privileged. He's probably appropriating a shit ton of different cultures, in whatever lifestyle he has picked up. Oh God, I, I wonder who'd be more annoying to hang out with now, Marco or him? Him. And... He's a predator. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like. It... The worst thing that happens is I gotta sit through Marco's fucking slideshow. <laughs> and, and and find a way to excuse myself from his drum circle. God. Which you know Ellie would be a part of, because she is actually a drummer. But she did, in that abandoned, be, abandoned plot, did try to go toe-to-toe with him about cultural appreci- appropriation, so. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're, um, we're diverging in various ways. Um, anyway, so we go to school, and Marco is trying to pick up the pa- pieces of Paige, because Paige reveals that she had to take a bus ride of shame back home, which is sad. Okay, but I do love where she says, like, why cry in front of one cabbie when you could cry in front of the whole Toronto transport system? All right, he's like, you couldn't take a taxi, and she's like, No. <laughs> Oh. There, there's okay so like i i don't get upset in public that much certainly not in recent years oh god i wish that were me yeah but there's just something so freeing about just like i'm gonna sit here and cry unless you can just fucking deal with it look sometimes that happens if somebody who has cried on public transportation there does come a time sometimes where you just gotta be like you gotta fucking suck it up because guess what i'm having a moment <laughs> I'll try and keep myself relatively quiet. And I say this as somebody who went through something, who got very devastating news and had to, like, do my commute home. Yeah. It was bad. But I'm sure everybody has had that happen to them if they do a commute like mine into New York City. Yeah. I'm positive. And I'm sure anybody who lives in an area where they use public transportation all the time has cried in public transportation at some point. Tell us your stories at ihopepod at gmail.com. <laughs> Anyway, um, so Alex swoops in with a snide remark. Wearing uh, some sick-ass glasses. Oh, she's wearing some great glasses, and then she's like, she's refusing to go toward the college fair, um, and Paige flashes the joint, um, and they basically try to make a deal with each other, which starts off with, like, I'll give you this joint if you go to the college fair. (laughs) Alex saying, I'll go to the college fair if you fucking smoke it. And Paige going, well, sure, why not? I'm a female Degrassi character. It's time to fuck up my life. That's right? what we do. Right, because like we're we're women and we're never allowed to have a win. Yeah. No W's for the ladies. No W's for the women. They're women. Wi- the women omens. loser women. <laughs> <laughs> women losing whatever take, take, uh, take away the w from women what you got omen Ooh. 
Um, so we end up doing a scene outside in which Paige is fretting about how her clothes are going to smell, whether there's smell like smoke, what if people start they knowing that she smoked weed, um, and Alex is lighting it, and once again, just the sapphic vibes on this. Oh, they're good. Oh, yeah, it's real good. Oh, it's so good. There's like, it's just chef's kiss. It's so good. The two of them uh, keep going around the, the fair. They're having a grand old time. Um, they're doing shadow puppets in this guy's presentation. Uh, they take another guy's glasses. Yeah, they're just... A lot of boundaries are being crossed. Um, uh, then Snake comes up to Paige. And it's just well, like, even before that, I think there is a piece that's important to talk about, which is... The scene that they, there's a scene that opens up and Alex is just like, I don't know how I'm going to afford this. So, like, I don't really see the point. And Paige is like, well, you do student loans and things like that. And then they eventually address the fact that, like, she's still got to pay eventually. So, you see Alex just feeling very defeated. She mentions welfare checks and things like that. And she's just kind of, she is pointing out a very real issue with college and the very real topic of class, which is that, yeah, Alex can be smart. Alex can, you know, be absolutely brilliant. And, but that does not necessarily mean that she's going to have the financial means to be able to go to college. Yeah. And that does also does not mean that she gets to necessarily has the luxury of running away from the very real active trauma that is happening in her family. Yeah. So then we have Snake come over and he reveals like, hey, I thought the fact that you had a f- that your mom had a friend for Banting was BS, but she's here. I kept her in the resource room. Yeah. Um, Paige quickly goes to the bathroom to try and get herself into some. Oh, another great ca- scene. Kind of order. And like Alex is like, why don't we just forget about this? Why don't we run away and, you know, get a cottage in the country? I can help us live off the land. I'll chop firewood for you. It's so easy, she says in a sultry voice, flipping her hair. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. The vibes coming off of these one-on-one scenes with with Paige and Alex. So fucking good. Just a quick mental note for Frank to write a... uh, alternate fan fiction where they do just leave from the bathroom and just become bank robbers. Perfect. It's just, there's just such good tension happening in these scenes. Their body language, they're like right, very, very close to each other. It's very intimate. It's just, it's very good. Um, And eventually the conversation escalates that Paige yells that Alex has no future. And Alex is just kind of like, oh, you want to fucking repeat that? And then leaves. Yeah. Sucks. It does. Um, We end up at the resource room. Paige is just a stammering mess. They hug. I will admit, with this stuff, I can't really speak on how accurate it is. In the sense that I know that a lot of people react differently to weed. And also, as somebody who has not used it, I myself cannot say it. Like, you know, oh, this is, this is accurate. This is not accurate. 
I will say the way that Paige talks sounds more like me when I'm dissociating in the sense that like she just kind of forgets how words work and everything is really scrambled. Yeah. It sounds more like me when I'm going through a bad mental health time. Yeah. But um, she she gets really hung up on certain words and she just kind of gets stuck on certain things when her family friend tries to ask her questions of like why banting and things like that she is total mess about it and um it we get to a big moment where she's like you know why do you want to go to banting she's like well it's the harvard of the north it's really great it has a lot of cachet and then finally toward the end of the conversation she says her her the family friend says, well, why do you, Mrs. Meyer, I think her name is, well, why do you want to pursue business? And Paige just straight up says, like, I don't know. I don't know why I want to pursue business. And it's kind of an important piece, right? Because she spent the whole entire episode acting like she's on top of her shit. When the fact of the matter is, is she's just as confused as every other fucking senior in high school. Yep. It's just in a different way than some people. And then eventually she just straight up confesses that she's high. Yeah. Scene end. Back to the movie theater. Yep. She is fucking grounded. Yeah. Um, she also says that she is a toad. Yeah, she tries to apologize to Alex. Alex is not having it. Alex admits she has no future. And that's the saddest point. She admits that her life is very unstable. Um, and straight up says, like, like, my mom has such a turbulent relationship with her boyfriend I straight up do not know if I am going to have a roof over my head. I don't know if I'm going to be in that apartment or if I'm in a shelter or I don't know what's going to fucking happen to me. Which we just saw an episode where a, 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 you know, female friend was escaping an abusive situation. Why can't we just do it again? Mm -hmm. Like, Paige's parents clearly have enough money and I'm sure they Well, but Alex, Alex deeply cares for and and wants to protect her mother that's a fair she's not gonna it's not like mandy yeah that's a fair point it it sucks but you can tell that alex will not leave her mom well i'm just saying well then the nights where she can't stay at home go to pages so the women shelter i think that she would worry too much about her mom yeah but, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if she's already not staying, if she's, instead of, she's already leaving the, the household to the women's shelter. But I think she's going with her mom. Okay, there it is. <laughs> I, I think that Alex takes on the role as, like, a protector of her mother. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's a really, honestly, they really undersell how absolutely devastating this is. Because she's mentioned to this once or twice before. And we haven't really had her have, like, a huge plot about it. So it's been a little understated, but it is still so upsetting when you really think about it. Yeah. But she's just like, yeah, I don't know. And Paige, interestingly enough, just kind of ends it with, like, yeah, we're both fucking terrified. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's inserting herself into the narrative, but I do think also there is a kernel of truth there where it's just these are two girls that have quite a bit in different ways, but they have certain things and certain challenges they don't know the answer to. Yeah. And I do think that you can, if done correctly, I think you can find com camaraderie in that, even if it's not exactly the same. 
Sometimes you just want to be able to vent and live with the fact that you are still trying to fucking figure shit out. Yes. Um... Gonna give it a B minus. Mm-hmm. I really did like the A plot. Mm-hmm. Not, not just for feeding my ship, but like, I felt like it flowed really well and showcased like, fear can make you do stupid things and like, you know, because I couldn't understand why she didn't just get rid of the, the joint. Why she didn't just throw it away. But maybe she just did want to escape from it. From, right. Like, responsibility so so yeah no i uh b minus i think that's best that b plot could have been way better yeah it's yeah i think i agree with you that's all i got also who cares about the veteran's opinion <laughs> yeah let's move on to character rankings uh page and alex are actually both going up well i think page was Paige was not great towards Alex this episode, but I can understand her frustration of, I can understand why she wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. She wanted, she wants better for Alex. She wants to see that Alex can do better, but like, you know, it's hard when Alex feels a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jimmy and Hazel, both on the up. Um... Snake's on the up for just shitting all over Peter. Thank God. Uh, is that it? it Derek is shitty. He's did not... you rank Marco? Marco was kind of a non-factor, so he'll yeah, just stay where he is. I'm just trying to think of, like, who is in it. It's not, it's not a huge cast this time. No, it's actually a very small cast, but I didn't really realize it until you started listing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Oh, Matt's also a shit. Oh, Peter and, fuck uh... Him. Peter, Derek, and Matt all in the basement together. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck them. Okay, recommendations? Yeah, recommendations. Um, I don't really have too much to recommend as, um, as we know, the only media I consume right now is Fire Emblem and Fire Emblem Fanfic. And I also got really into cats, but... Uh, <laughs> I saw it with Frank. It was great. Um, you are a liar. Well, I had a great time. And that's all that mattered. Uh, Wait, Donnie, could you real quick uh, describe what it was like sitting next to me during that movie? Oh, it was absolute bliss. <laughs> absolute bliss. It was so much fun watching you go, oh, God. Whenever the cat's characters were remotely intimate with each other, that was my favorite part, was how absolutely, like, you would watch them nuzzle each other, and then Frank would, like, recoil in horror, and it was so good. Um, but I'm gonna assume by the time this episode is out, it's probably in no theaters. But, if you really want to try and have fun, see if it's at, like, a discount theater. Um, while we're talking about women loving women, and we're talking about teen media, um, I'm gonna recommend something that I don't think is actually all that great, but it is a delightful fever dream when you think about the era that it came out in, which is south of nowhere. Um, it is a weird show. I can't necessarily recommend it because I think it's a quality show. However, I do think that it's one of those things where you're like, wow, this was coming out at a time that I didn't expect it to, and it was really explicitly about women loving women and really explicitly about these two girls who meet 
um you know one is like a new girl the other one is is comes to has like a rock star father and like you know they start trying to they like have a friendship and then things start going romantic and like once again it's it's one of those things where if you watch Degrassi you probably watch South of Nowhere in some capacity because they were on together a lot of the time and if you did not um it's kind of fun to revisit I'm not really sure where you can find it because I'm pretty sure I just found it through really weird means. I'm sure it's one of those things you can find on YouTube. Um, but it's worth looking into just to see other examples of like teen drama and you treat it like like an anthropology project. Treat it as like a media analysis project. Like don't just just let it just try and pick it apart and see it as like a moment in time where this type of media existed. And be slightly surprised at when it did. That's how I feel about South of Nowhere. Because when I try to describe it to people who have never seen it, they're like, what, that really existed? And I'm like, yes, it did. So check it out. Frank, what is your recommendation? Um, I'm going to go the other way. Uh, talk about good, um, good examples of folks, you know, dealing with disabilities. And going to recommend Avatar The Last Airbender. Because there's not... Like, uh, Toph isn't the only character with a disability on that show, um, and I feel like the show just handles it, like, so many other things just so well. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Nice! So, Frank, you've made it through. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, so... Let's talk about how you can keep in touch with us. You can definitely email us at ihopod at gmail.com. Um, feel free to send any questions, comments, concerns, as well as any interest in being a guest. Um, I have not done my usual following up with people if they're interested. So if there's any episodes that speak to you coming up this season, just send me an email or DM me or whatever on Twitter, and we will get you set up. Um... We are an open book. We're kind of doing it week to week unless we get some people reserving it in advance. Trying to take it easy while I'm still trying to transition back into being in the land of the living in a mental sense. Um, but feel free to email us, contact us, and anything like that. We also have a Facebook group, um, which is I Call It Bike and Make It Through Podcast, which I'm finally starting to post it in again. Also check out our Twitter at I Hope Pod, where we respond to any questions and comments. We put up links to the episodes, or sometimes we get tagged into delightful things like finding out Liberty is a DJ now. Very exciting. Well, rather the actresses, but very exciting news to see. Um, if you want to support our show, there are two ways you can do it. You can donate to our coffee account, or you can also um, set leave a review or rating. Once we hit 20, once we hit 30, once we hit 40, we have different little events that we've been talking about a bit. So please try your best to contribute if you have the time. And for those of you who have already, we really appreciate you. Um, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, yeah. Um, so, did I mention the coffee account? No, I didn't. Yes. Oh, I did? Okay, cool. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. It is, as always, Fire Emblem Central. But I am always willing to pause that topic to talk about Degrassi. I legitimately love people who are taking the time to DM me or, um, or, like, at me into Degrassi no context posts or just like hey remember this really fucking weird episode 
I legitimately love it. It makes me so happy when people include me in their their random thoughts about this show. And please do not hesitate to tag me in that stuff because please know that knowing that you connect it back to me and want me to know about what is going on, it, it makes me feel included in a way that I cannot even fully describe. So thank you everybody who has been doing that. Um, also on my Twitter, you can see stuff about my writing, whether it's fanfic or professional stuff or whatnot. Um, it is always fun to be able to talk about that stuff too. Um, I have a Twitter as well. It's Dance Dance Fall. It's just my musings and whatnot. That's about it. Uh, my Instagram is Sir I Would Challenge. Um, I also have another podcast I do with my sister called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, when this comes out, we'll have just done Freaky Friday, which, fool boy, is more racist than I thought it was. Oh, jeez. Oh, mm, I just realized why. Oh, yeah. Though, honestly, like, if the grandma can control souls that way, why doesn't she just, like, why doesn't she just crush everyone before her? Anyway, um, next week we'll be ending uh, New Year New Lohan with Mean Girls. Thank God we'll be watching something good. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me. Nice. So with that being said, everyone, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. The death of a disco dancer. Well, it happens a lot round here. And if you think peace is a common goal, that goes to show how little you know. Well, I'd rather not get involved I never talk to my neighbor I'd rather not get involved